To Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World! Your Boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 31. I'm Siege. And I'm I'm Tony Curtis, ladies and gentlemen. In, Tony, in the building. Tony C. Curtis. <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's the haps, bro? What's happening? I was going to ask you the same thing. I'm actually like in a pretty good place. Oh my god. So it's so funny that we're recording this episode after i went to a concert last night because i realized that i am old (laughs) yeah concerts are very much a young people's game not only was this a concert it was kind of like a rave like day glow party thing oh yeah that's that's even more that's that that ages me out way quicker i feel so here's the thing i go there it's an 18 and up party and gig or whatever But, um, you know, it's a paint party. I'm like, this will be fun. And when we get there, um, I'm like, I'm clearly not going to go when doors open because I'm not smart enough to know that. But I forget that the big event, like the paint party itself, probably isn't going to go until midnight. And we got there at like 1030. So it's an hour and a half of like being in a room of sweaty people, some of which can't drink. I'm currently not drinking. And it was just like, oh, wow, I am way too old to be here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you know what? I know and, this. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then when, like, the paint actually did come, like, there was mosh pits and, like, all. I was just like, oh, yeah, I, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> I know this, me, myself feeling that way about concerts in my early 20s, like, I'm feeling like I'm too old for this, especially like those concerts. I don't know if you remember ever going to concerts at like House of Blues. Yeah, like, those, I really like standing room only concerts. <laughs> I'm I'm too old for that. It's hilarious how like we're at the place now where I saw something like a meme where someone's like, "My enjoyment of event an event is directly related to <laughs> if I'm able to sit down." <laughs> yeah, am I able to sit down? Can I see? Can I see? <laughs> Because I'm paying this money. If I'm having this tall person standing in front of me, I'm not digging this. Uh, uh, yeah. Also, I mean, too, you better show up on time. You it, There better not be these long, like, pauses between one band and the next band. Like, <laughs> you guys better figure this out. Do Get you know those science. people who are still mad that Lauren Hill doesn't show up? To her concerts on time, dude. That's why I don't buy Lauren Hill tickets. You I never love buy Lauren Hill. Hill tickets. We've talked. I about love this. Lauren Hill. I honestly, I think she's one of the greatest musicians. Like even from just the one album, yeah. she's brilliant. I will never pay to see <laughs> Lauren Hill because I know that there's a like twenty to sixty percent chance that she's not going to show up to this exactly. thing. Exactly. So that's my whole thing. I just, it was just really funny. Okay, that so... math doesn't work out. <laughs> it's the 60 to 40 percent chance <laughs> if i was surprised with the lauren hill concert i would totally love it uh but you're right or if someone like bought tickets for me to go if i went like... to like go see like dave Chappelle and he's like ladies and gentlemen also <laughs> lauren hill i that's what i'd want to see that's exactly. the scenario i want to be surprised by lauren hill i don't want to be surprised by her not showing up well it, it wouldn't be a surprise no. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into this episode, though, which, I mean, has to deal with the band and all this other stuff, I wanted to do a little morning announcements. Uh, That's basically just us reading the letters that came in or if there's, like, any news or anything like that. Uh, It's a morning announcements. What'd you say? We need a morning announcements uh, jingle thing. A little right. Oh God, that that thing from uh, Greece where Greece, she does the telephone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, NBC, but that whatever. is NBC. <laughs> I'm raised by raised by television guys. Exactly. Um, speaking of which, so um, we did get an email from one of our listeners, and I've been talking about doing emails forever. Uh, we've just been behind or doing our own things. But anyway, what she uh, wrote actually wanted, I wanted to discuss for a little bit because 
One of our listeners, Jessica, wrote in and she was like, hey, guys, uh, working my way through the podcast. I really enjoy your conversations about love languages and just wanted to add that I've always thought Sean's love language was gift giving, as can be seen in Easy Street and sort of at the end of Santa's Little Helper, which are later episodes. Uh, There are definitely more examples, a lot in the sequels, um, like the series Girl Meets World. Uh, But yeah, basically, she just wanted to know our take on that and what we thought the boys' love languages were. Um, Ooh, this is very interesting. Which is why I wanted to bring it up. I definitely, I mean, we always encourage you guys to send us an email. But when there's questions like this, I was like, yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I (laughs) definitely think that Sean's love language is receiving gifts because those examples are correct. And there's there are a bunch throughout the series that I think support that. It's Um, so funny. So when we get in before we get into it, I wanted to talk to those who don't know about love languages. Uh, TC, you said you read the book, right? Yeah, there's a book called The Five Love Languages, and it just kind of helps you figure out how you receive love versus how you give love. Yeah, there's um, uh, it's called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate, uh, written in 1995 by Gary Chapman. It says it outlines five ways to express and experience love that uh, Chapman calls love languages. Those five are words of affirmation, which are um, basically people need to hear constantly that they're loved. Uh, acts of service for these people, actions speak louder than words. Receiving gifts for some people, uh, what makes them feel most loved is to receive a gift. Quality time, the language is all about giving the other person your undivided attention. And physical touch, um, basically appropriate touch, not always sexual, uh, is how this person knows that you love them. And uh, Tony, what's yours? Do you know your love languages? Do you know? What- yes. Yeah. So my highest love language is physical touch. Um, but my second highest is actually a tie between acts of service and quality time. Are you and serious? I say it's a tie because I actually took the quiz and it told me that was a tie. But yeah. That's crazy. You're, you're too, sorry, the, your number one is physical touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so crazy. Why, why, why know, is it so just, crazy? Like, it's so one of the five options. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it was, I guess crazy is like not the word I meant. It was unexpected. I just never would have thought that physical touch was, do you know where that comes from or anything? I don't like mean to analyze you right now. No, you know what though? Um, I do remember like as a child, like um, it was always a thing that like if I were watching like I don't know, like TV or something with my parents or something. Like my mom would always rub my back Aww. and like things like that, like little things like that. So Aww. I think that was just just part of it of just like the physical touch. Like it, obviously, it's not always sexual. It's it's just a it's just a way of just like, hey, I'm thinking about you in this moment, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, no, um, physical touch is my number two, uh, and I I think about it like if I really consider myself close to a person. I am, like, extremely physical. Like, even if it's friends, like, I'll just, like, curl up in my friend's lap while we're watching a movie. Because, like, I want to. Like, that's just, like, a, oh, I trust you type situation. So, yeah. So what was your number one? Uh, Quality time, which actually makes a lot of sense uh, for me and to me. Like, quality time, I'm definitely the type of person where if I, like, I'll spend time to just be one-on-one with you if I care about you. You know what I mean? Like, and same thing, like, a lot of the issues I have when I've dated in the past has been, like, for me, just show up, you know? It's like, uh, you can do everything else, and that's great, and that's fine, but, like, I need you to show up because I can do just about anything else, you know? Like, exactly. the, re- the receiving gifts, I was like, I can buy my own stuff, and I don't need you to, like, do Receiving that. gifts was my lowest one. That's uh, the thing same. I cared the least about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, all right, so, like, to go back to the question, though... You think you think that Sean's is uh, gift giving or receiving? I I think it is because I think in Sean's world, whenever he did give it, get a gift, it was a very big deal. Whenever he got a gift, someone had to work really hard for it. Someone had to make a sacrifice for that gift. Um, someone had to be really unselfish for him to get that gift. Um, so I think for him, gift giving is a little bit different than someone like Corey, who maybe never had to really think twice about 
gifts and if he was going to get one for his birthday or anything like that. That's a really good point. See, I kind of saw Sean's as quality time as well. And I think it's because Sean really does, or at least the ones that we see him interact with, most importantly, Corey, he's just kind of like down to be with Corey. You know what I mean? It's just like, as long as he's there... It's like like showing another one. It was like showing up or like, did you come? I think back to the Cherry Bomb episode when like Corey came. You know what I mean? Like that was like important to him. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, you I can have that, more than one. It's sure, cool. sure. And I think that quality time is definitely there. I think for Sean, the most important thing is the people in his life and the people he trusts. Corey specifically, but I also think that he's not. Like, if Corey wanted to spend the weekend with Topanga, I don't feel that Sean would give him a hard time about it either. I don't think that Sean would feel like his love was lacking with Corey because Corey maybe got busy with Topanga for a week or so. So I, that's why I don't think it's his highest one, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I would agree with that. I, I definitely would agree with that. I put Corey's as words of affirmation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Corey's, just... like, extremely insecure, and he, like, needs to hear constantly that, you know, like, again, it, it it's that thing where I feel Sean's constantly reaffirming to Corey, and, and, and Sean even knows that sometimes Corey just needs to hear it, you know what I mean? I feel like that's a great segue into these next, ep- this episode and the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they all so. center on Corey's insecurities. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, so you want to get into it? Yeah, dude, let's 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 dive in. All right, let's do the tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay. Uh so our tell me about it. The seventh grade dance is around the corner and Corey, not wanting to ask his usual fallback to Panga, is searching for a new girl to go with, but is constantly being turned down. That is until a senior asks Corey and Sean to watch their band equipment, and two female classmates assume the equipment belongs to them. Seeing an opportunity, Sean encourages Corey to pretend to be to be in a band to get girls. At first, the boys just try to look the part, but soon the story takes on a life of its own, resu- resulting in the boys holding auditions for big members, and suddenly their fake band is headlining, headlining the school dance. The boys continue the charade all the way up to showtime, and since they can't play instruments, put on a terrible performance that even Feeney mocks. But their performance does have one fan, Topanga. Meanwhile, Alan tries to relive his youth with a reunion of his former band, The Tongues. So, first impressions, first thoughts, where are you at? Alan's band's name is The Tongues. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Can we just have a moment to just discuss that for... <sighs> first Jeez, of all, man. I want to say... Great band name. I think the tongues is like it's perfect for like the era I'm thinking Alan did all of this in, and I think the tongues is a really good band name. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 it is what it is. I do like how like Amy was all, um, you did it for the girls. He was like, no, I didn't, and she was like, and what was your band name? He was like, the tongues. And I was like, okay, yeah, that was exactly. I, I mean. What- Go for it. I we're definitely going to dive into this a little bit more, but Alan, we learn a lot about him in this episode. Oh, yeah. we learn a lot about where he is and his current insecurities. Yep. We also learn about Alan, uh, teenage Alan, I'm assuming, who was what I can assume an asshole. So there's a lot we're going to unpack as we get into this, but. Yeah, Alan. It's funny that you say that he's an asshole because I actually didn't see him as an asshole. I did see that, like, we kind of get a little bit more uh, fleshed out of a character. But now that you've said it, I'm putting that character and those pieces together and I'm I mean, I, I have, I'm able to support my argument. We, I don't know how <laughs> how you want to dive into this right now, but like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it now. Why not now? But, let's, yeah. Let's for I, moment. Okay. So here's why I think teenage alan was an asshole uh so right off the bat when alan's talking about him being in the band before he's like oh yeah we were a protest band we were protesting the vietnam war and Corey's like oh i'm just in it for the chicks and and alan and amy later confirmed that alan was just kind of in it for the chicks too so that lets me know that he was a pretentious asshole who wore that fringe jacket 
<laughs> talking, you know, being like, oh, guys, we got to protect Vietnam. Guys, we got we got to bring our troops home. Like, with Lyndon Johnson. Like, he was that <laughs> douchebag who was just saying things trying to get laid. That's who he was. And uh, later on in the episode, Eric brings out that same fringe jacket. And he looks at the uh, the sleeve, and underneath are the names of all the chicks that Alan banged <laughs> while in that band. So this yep. guy is going around talking about Vietnam, pretending to be this highly evolved, like, deep band. Meanwhile, he's slinging puss left and right and keeping <laughs> record of it in his jacket pocket. It's it's Who was this person who so is now in charge of three pe- children? Like I said, I think it's funny because when I look at it again, I, I was like, oh, wow. They were, that was like really interesting for Alan to be like, yeah, we were actually very much about social change and the Vietnam War. And like, I was like, oh, look at you. You were a very mindful, quote unquote, for the time, woke student. But then I also realized him being like, oh, but I was like a really good player. And Amy was like, no, you weren't, Uh, you know, and all this. And then you said the thing about the jacket and even the fact that like he kind of quits once it's affirmed that even though he's judging his bandmates for not having as cool of a life, they can still play. And he still wants to look the part, but he can't even play at all. So, you know, it's just kind of like that whole dedication thing. So just all that put together, I was like, yeah, Alan probably was one of those pretentious douchebags, kind of like what we would equate today to people who want to be DJs, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that Alan just reminded me of like all the worst kind of kids in high school. And (laughs) I mean... Corey and Sean kind of turned into those kids a little bit in this episode, too. Um, oh, definitely. And I think it's, I mean, it's supposed to mirror that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you know? Like, sure. even, like, the parallels between Amy's story of why she was into Alan and then Topanga kind of saying all of those things. It's very, yeah. very much like uh, apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. Um, yeah. Or just, like... It takes minimum effort when you have <laughs> the appearance of being a musician to sling a chick. Like that's what they're making this seem like. And unfortunately, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the message that's coming across. Oh no, definitely. So it's funny. Let's that that leads us to the next section, our roll call, uh, where we meet uh two new students, uh Sonia and Sherry. What do you think about them? Um, Sona, Sonia and Sherry, I guess they're the equivalent of, like, they're like the, the Billy Jeans. They're the Dirty oh, Dianas. They are, the, they, they are groupies. They're the groupies. For, for sure. sure. I mean, like, because, unapologetic groupies, too. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the thing, is that Boy Meets World can write a really great character like Topanga, and then they can write these <laughs> really, like flat characters like these two girls who seem to like literally just like Corey just asked that Sonia girl out and she he didn't get she didn't care she didn't even look at him <laughs> the moment he has a guitar case in front of him she's like hey what's going on how, how are you like like it's a new person I just I don't <laughs> understand who this character is well what was interesting to me is how the girls perpetrate the lie and kind of even help it grow you know what I mean? Like, it's this weird thing where they're the ones who are like, oh, I've heard their band and it's great. And it's just like, wait, what? Even Corey's like, who, what, what are you talking about? Where'd you even get that motivation from? Yeah, it's just those girls who want to be included. They just want to be part of that. Oh, yeah, I'm part. I'm with the band. I'm, you know, I'm I'm dating the cool guy who's on base. It's that, dude, I hated all these people in high school. <laughs> what I have to say, though, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that, is I love the scene where Topanga meets them. Because Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she's like, they're awesome. Except they don't have a drummer. Who are you? <laughs> We're with the band. Well, so what I liked about that line uh, is she meets these guys and they are like saying all of these things and she just looks at them like, who 
are you? But like that kind of, she says it in a way that can mean several things, at least in my mind. It's like a, who are you pretending to be? Like, like what, like, as we just said, like, what are you, a groupie? Like, do you have like any identity? Who are you? What are you even trying to do with this? And then second of all, it's the very much that girl territory thing where Topinka's like, okay, bitch, why are you even in this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny is that they instantly are like, we're with the band. Yeah, like they they latch on to that identity so quickly. Yeah, that's what it is. But that's what I mean. It's like with that whole "Who are you?" quote. To me, it was very much like, a, "Do you even have an identity? Like, what are you even bringing to this? Are you like in the band? No, you're just with them. Oh, so you're nobody." They also, it's funny too that it's this. I think it's Sonia. Um, she has a speaking line with Feeny later in the episode, and I'm like, oh. So we've never heard from this girl before. And now we get her talking to Feeney. Does Feeney actually talk to other students? We've never seen this. <laughs> he occasionally identifies other students. Okay. Uh, it's it's rare. <laughs> oh, and then we also get the two other uh <laughs> we also get the two other <laughs> band members, quote unquote, which is oh, Thor. The Thor. guy who I, just uh, poses. <laughs> I I wanna insert this clip, but I just want to say it because I thought it was really funny. Um Corey's like so let me understand this Thor all you do is pose oh yeah what else is there he's shorter than me and he won't steal our chicks you're in yeah 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 yeah. the guy so well that's what I was gonna say this it actually has like some very interesting notes about at least what we as Americans think about being in a band or like music of the time. Yeah. Because the idea that Thor can look at this and be like, oh, I don't need to play an instrument. I just need to look the part. In fact, the boys, when they're holding their auditions, they turn away someone because he's too good. Yeah. And we didn't get his name, but like he was someone who uh, he comes back because they they actually do hire him to play no, the, they didn't. The they, they booked him. Oh, they, they booked him. They, they did not hire him. him. Yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah, going to yeah, pay yeah. him. And he left. Which I really, you know what? I applauded. They gave an actual thing because, like, he was like, oh, what does this gig pay? So, first of all, very smartly not giving up uh, a gig, not knowing if it didn't pay more. You know what I mean? And then uh, when they were like, oh, no, it's not a paying gig. He was like, oh, well, we do have a paying one, so we're going to leave. It was like an did actual... You, did you notice that he was like, oh, we have a paying gig at the Oyster House. And then later on, to Corey's like, to Topanga, where's your date? She goes, oh, the, he went to the Oyster House. So ah, that, that was her date. Wow. I didn't... You know what? I heard Oyster House and my mind was like, oh, you've heard that somewhere earlier. But I didn't really yeah, take dude, it into was, consideration. Yeah, she was fucking a guitarist. <laughs> oh my god. I don't think she was, but definitely Sherry and Sonia were going off to. Oh, for sure. They were they were at that oyster house all night. Ah, God. That's but what are we saying? Like, I mean, you don't have to get into this, but it it is kind of we've talked about Boy Meets World doesn't really paint girl teenage girls in the best light. Like, like the whole idea of them just being around or like, I don't know. It kind of makes girls seem superficial. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It has the it, argument that these girls are just superficial, which we see a lot in Boy Meets World. You're either Topanga also, or you're superficial. Yeah, but I, I, I also just remember girls in high school that like when they saw a dude with a guitar, they got <laughs> goo-goo eyes. Like, I don't know. Like, I think. There's truth to it, which is why it's a stereotype, unfortunately. Um, so all I can think about is the ongoing joke that anyone in college with a guitar yeah. <laughs> just gets the... And it's always Wonderwall. <laughs> Gosh, it's Wonderwall or for our generation, unfortunately, it was like a dashboard confessional song or <laughs> some some no, no, kind no, no, of no, like, like, like John a, Mayer daughter. Jason, I was looking at Jason Mraz, John Mayer. It's yeah. like a, like yeah, those those like little I can't think of any right now, but you and all they know wouldn't the know the chords, they would know the tabs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever try to be in a um I was going to ask you this, if you, if you ever thought, were you ever in a band? Oh, um, no. Okay, oh. so I was never in a band, technically, but I was in a rap group of my course. freshman year called I... The Muppets. Oh, God. I, I Just so many comments, but continue. <laughs> it's The Muppets. D-A. 
nickname. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. So what was going on that dub was like the the big name? I don't know, but we were <laughs> dub Muppets with a Z, and we had our hit single Waka Waka. I hate you and, so much. <laughs> I I don't mean to sidetrack too too far, but can I can I give you a small taste of Waka Waka? Real yeah, fast? go go. Of course. <sighs> waka waka is what I hear when you're rapping. And when I get the mic, I get the whole crowd clapping. When the Muppets take the stage, we make the magic happen. Like back in 84 when we took Manhattan. I hate you so much. This is actually, <laughs> it was really good. It was a really good one. That was so uh, stupid, though. Of course you included Take Manhattan. Uh, it's it's like my favorite an, Muppet movie. It's like an early version of like Childish Gambino. Like that, you know the, what? The I'll take stuff. that compliment. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that compliment. But yeah, that's as far as I got as far as being in the band because um, I couldn't play any instruments. And at the time, this was before when not playing instruments like Corey and Sean actually played a factor in whether or not you could be a famous musician. Um, <laughs> I feel like had I grown up now, where all I needed was a computer and you know auto tune. Yeah, yeah, you I, probably totally could. You could be killing it. As a YouTube yeah. sensation. The Muppets could be a worldwide sensation right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I, did, I, I will say, like, I do love, like, that whole thing where people are like, that's a great band name. There are, like, just several ones that are, like, really cool band names. Although, I, what do you think about did the Did you exits? think the Exits was a good name? <laughs> I didn't think it was. No, I think the, the whole joke is to say that, like, the Exits isn't a good name. But I'm saying that, like, there was this game or there's, like, this... It's not like a... Oh, this visual joke where Corey's looking around and he sees, like, blood drive, sex ed, exit. So he chooses yeah. <laughs> to be the most boring of the three. <laughs> blood drive is also pretty cool. Yeah, blood drive, I think, is a cool name, I guess. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. There's, like, that game where you're like, oh, that would make a really good band name. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like, oh, God, there was one the other day and a friend of mine. We were like, that's a really good band name. Um, damn it. I think it was like called the Hatred of Manhattan or something like that. I can't remember. Ooh, Hatred of Manhattan. That is a great band name. Yeah. Or something like like uh Nipple Ring Circus or something. <laughs> Nipple Ring Circus. That is You wouldn't you wouldn't pay to see that band? No, I would not pay to see Nipple Ring Circus. Alright, All right. well I thought we were just throwing spaghetti on the walls here, guys. I didn't think we were taking it that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> is spaghetti at the wall like the album cover of Nipple Rings? Ooh, <laughs> spaghetti on the walls. I do like that as a name. <laughs> it's a, no, okay. <laughs> to me, that's like an album. That's someone's first LP or something like that. That is, that is. That's, that's the first LP. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was never okay. in a band or anything like that. But I Wait, definitely... hold on. I, I, before we get too far along, I just we skip the black kid, and I want to make sure we oh, talk about him. Flip, flip, <laughs> flip. <laughs> Who also does nothing. Oh yeah, absolutely nothing. I will. So I kind of like uh, Flip and Thor's camaraderie. That like when things get too high, they're like, "Yo, <laughs> I barely know these kids. I'm not invested in this." I, I really liked that they just like uniformly bailed. Yeah. Okay, just real fast. When Flip is auditioning, again, yeah. he's not playing an instrument. He's posing with a guitar. Uh-huh. And Corey says, well, you gotta have a guy like that in the band. What do you think he was referring to? So, I thought, I thought he was referring to uh, Flip's showmanship. Flip has on a Napoleon-style jacket. It is like one of those, like uh, Michael Jackson, like at the grocery store jackets. Exactly. He has one of those jackets on. He has like the little half hair banged head for a black kid at that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, they were like twists. Like, I thought yeah, they were twists. Exactly. I mean, they could be twists, but it's very um, crisscross. It was very crisscross. I will say that. Yeah, exactly. Or like, I guess now it would. It, it's what's inspired by like people like Lil Yachty and stuff, right? Don't they kind of do I, that? But I don't want to comment on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't want to sound like an old fart by commenting on. Them. Oh, I have no problem. I understand that music for is not for me anymore, and I can completely feel comfortable in that area. Yeah, yeah. That's just 
control delete that from my library <laughs> all right but um, going back to flip why what did you think i think i had I just i didn't know if you thought there was like uh oh hey here's a cool looking black kid we need to have him in the band i didn't think of that because remember at this point in time uh having a cool black kid wasn't even a requirement we barely let them audition it's not like he was like trying to do a boys to men group yeah but also <laughs> too it's like you know how in the basketball episode they just happened to be a black kid that came around that we never saw again? Yeah. It kind of like that. Like, oh, we need like a cool rock band. Like, I don't know. Just It just seemed like a thing. Just like, oh, here's a cool looking black kid we'll never see again. He served his purpose. Exactly. I mean, like, you're right. We'll never see either of them again. But I do like the idea of like Thor and Flip becoming really close. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, there was another person that you left off the roll call who another reoccurring character who made his very first appearance on this episode list i'm waiting who will go on to be the most famous of the boy meets world alumni oh i actually so the reason why i did not include him on the roll call i understand more so it's because a, he does not have a name they he never, doesn't have a name it's a cameo however in the opening scene, when they're at Chubby's, the guitar player that hands Corey and Sean their the instrument cases to hold is played by Adam Scott. Exactly. Now, Adam Scott just plays a small character here, but he will later on go on to play Harley's replacement, Griff, and that will be a reoccurring role for him. So um, we definitely will see him again. And like I said, he is the most famous of the alumni. That is actually... You know what? This is why you're here, because I completely did not even make the connection of Adam Scott and Griff. I didn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, like, it did not even slightly occur in my mind because I just had, like, I just saw it as a cameo spot. But, damn, that's accurate. That even I mean, works in, like, the, the, if we continue that, like, fan theory. He still goes to this school, so it makes sense. Oh, sure. I mean, I think he comes in as a transfer, but that is interesting that we we see him here and there, huh? But yeah, well, what I'm saying is we can still make this up. work as a backstory. Because yeah. he he doesn't necessarily go to their school. He is just credited as senior, and he's at Chubby's. We never see him at school. So he uh, can still yeah, so transfer, can transfer from transfer another school. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just saying. So he And this was before he got that persona as well. So I see him like... It says senior, but, like, maybe he wasn't a senior. He was just, like, a, a junior. Or he was a senior and he fails, and that puts him on this different path. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying we're making it work. But, yeah. But, uh, I mean, seeing him was a, was a delight. There's also a ton of other people you left off the roll call that did not get named. And okay. I, I don't know why. What are their names? I need you to give me names. Okay. So... What I'm referring to are Alan's old bandmates. And the reason why I'm bringing them up is because, again, Siege, these are, these are, this is really important. Okay, so <laughs> Alan has three friends. One is named Norm, one is named Gordy, and another one is named, I, I don't, they do not name the third one. I think his name is something I don't know. Yeah, I'm about to say there are no names in there. However, there no names, the most important thing about the these guys, <laughs> the import, most important thing about these guys is that one, one of them is played, uh, I think his name is Norm in this episode, Mickey Dol, uh, Dol's, Dolans, Mickey uh -huh. Dolans is the actor that plays him. He will come back later on in the series as one of Alan's good friends, so we will see him again. He is also the former lead singer of The Monkees. That I was waiting on, actually. So, Gordy was played by a man named Rick Nielsen, who is the former guitarist of Cheap Trick. Oh, wow. Good and the for other you. friend is played by Billy Vera, who um, was the lead singer of the, a band called Billy and the Beaters. And, uh, they had a song that was like, a, what would you say I would do at this moment when you're standing before me with tears in your eyes? 
So yeah, so all of those former like Alan's former musician friends are actually former mu mu musicians. That was definitely something we should discuss because it was kind of obvious to me that everyone in his quote unquote band, um, they're actually musicians. You know, like it's one of those things. Yeah, like, like, and when they play, it becomes obvious that like they have. Yeah, they have talent, and they've done yeah. this before. Um, and I, I, I think that's a good place to, like, pick up. What did you really feel about the whole Alan storyline with, like, the these? You know what? I As much as I found Alan to be kind of annoying, I also think there is some truth to this thing. And I and I kind of see it now with my friends, how we're, we're like, getting to that age where we're, like, 30-something, and everyone's so busy all the time uh -huh. that when we do get a chance to go out, people are like, yo, let's rage. Let's rage how we used to. Let's rage how we used to when we were young. <laughs> and, like, the reality of, like, their age is, isn't a factor when they're saying all those things and it eventually catches up to them before the night's over. And so you're 930 with the same people who are like, let's rage. And they're, like, yawning and just being like, yeah, well, it's getting late. I'm like, you were just <laughs> saying how you wanted to party like it was 2006. Where are you now? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, so like, that's, that's, I like how... That's how I found it to be relatable, at least. Yeah, no, no. I like how um, Alan... When he's talking about them and he's talking about the band members, he says something like, they were, like, the closest friends. We were, like, lifelong mates. I wonder if they're still alive. You know, it's just, like, the complexity of, like, adult friendships and, like, yeah. the whole thing of, like, being, oh, we're really, really close. I haven't spoken to that person in forever. I literally don't know if they exist anymore. And I, that, I feel like it becomes more common the older you get, too. Oh, absolutely. Where you have, like, just people you consider to be really good friends who you haven't spoken to in maybe, like, north of a year or two. Um, so, I mean, ugh. Adults are weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also, this episode kind of, and it kind of leads back to something I wanted to bring up, or, or we brought up earlier, which were the love languages, is the complexity of, like, male relationships. For Alan to be this close to these people, he's still kind of, like, it's, it's a weird thing of, like, making male friendships and relationships and being that close, knowing that eventually you'll each have your own families and, like, different ways of dealing with things yeah am i making any sense no no no, no. That, that is true like um i feel like because um men aren't really you know uh raising the culture to really discuss love amongst other men in a non-sexual way i feel like a, a lot of times we have a hard time dealing with a lot of things like friendship in certain aspects when things start to get kind of gray and we're just like uh you know we we don't take it to heart or it's not it's not a big deal it's just you know I'm the, guys don't make a big deal about shit like that and i think that men can get sad when they don't spend time with friends after a while and i think you know the reality of careers and family can make it so that years you know can go by without seeing someone and there can be that sadness there that i don't feel that a lot of people really express very well exactly like i mean i, I think there's something to be said that about the fact that after he's reunited with them alan's like oh yeah i don't need to do this anymore i do you know that that can kind of take away from it but at the same time the other guys especially once they're vibing with the um the music they're like yo maybe we can do this again maybe we can go on tour um and there is this sense of like no the only reason why alan doesn't want to do it is because his ego got smashed when he realized he wasn't a good musician that's the only thing he was trying to like live his glory days and then he got reminded that they weren't very glorious and <laughs> which i feel like is a constant with alan like again yeah. alan has this whole like theory of like oh i was like the edgiest coolest bad boy and amy serves as a really good reminder to both him and the audience that alan is alan you know it's just like a, there's there's no alternate ego that you haven't met yet alan has always been alan i don't i disagree i think that the names on the jacket say otherwise i also think that when he brings up uh to the other guys they were like hey you remember gangbanging those triplets and and scran and they're like what we don't remember this alan did some things that he's mixing up stories <laughs> i agree but i feel that that's Al i feel like alan's still that person now he's just with amy you know what i mean he's like, he's loyal but alan i mean as many times as we heard them refer to sex alan probably gets it just as much as he did when he was on tour 
It's just yeah. not all with one person. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it, it always kind of makes me sad, too, when um, you have – I've seen kind of similar storylines about men getting really excited about their old friendships and when they were younger and things like that. And Amy is kind of such a secondary thought in this episode. And, like, there's none of that – Alan doesn't make an effort at all to, to not make her feel like um, – he's not bored in their relationship or with her. Um, and I just thought that was kind of a little selfish of him. Maybe. I mean, very, very much Alan, but like, what do you think about? And I really liked the idea that Amy is kind of, it's one of those. She's so, like, she's so yes, dear in this episode. I hate it. I don't know if she's yes, dear, or to me, I think it's just more of a, she's, I still see Amy as like the mature one who understands that this is something Alan needs to get out of his system. You know what I mean? Like even when they start playing again, she goes, this better not be to meet girls. It's kind of like in a tongue in cheek way of being like, a, all right, Mr. Relive your high school uh, days type. Thing. I don't disagree. I think that Corey and Alan don't deserve these. Oh, yeah, of course women. they don't. Speaking of don't deserve, let's talk about Corey and Topanga. Oh, d- dude, I kind of, like, there, at one point, like, Sean's like, Why don't you just ask Topanga? I could, I could, but th- that would show no personal growth if I simply asked a girl I've always asked ever since we were five. So when are you going to ask her? I figure tomorrow, unless by some magic, girls suddenly start to notice me. It's interesting, and this is why I wanted to bring it up, because I do not like the framing of Cory and Topanga in this episode. Um, mostly because it shows Topanga as, like, this willing, waiting person, doting woman, and Cory as this oblivious, selfish person who kind of sees her as an afterthought. Uh, I mean, which, again, I think is very true to teenage boys at that time but it's just like it's really hard to see especially with a couple that you grow to love and respect so much you know what i mean i am having a small issue with topanga and that's for me is that she's becoming too perfect too understanding too wise and i and i think I don't know. I just, I feel like Corey gets a lot of second and third and fourth chances because she is so overly forgiving of him when he's just an asshole to her sometimes. Exactly. Well, that's kind of like what I wanted to talk about because what he says is I always ask her, she's a fallback um, and that wouldn't show any personal growth of me. And I was like, wow, just like, Damn. <laughs> and like later in the episode, Topanga's like, hey, Corey, I just want you to know that so-and-so asked me to the dance and I just wanted to make sure, like, I didn't know what your plans were. I wanted to check with you before I gave him the okay. Like, yeah, she's so she... overly considerate. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you said it a while ago uh, in one of our episodes. I don't remember which one, but you were like, I feel that she's always had a thing for Corey and it's Corey who, like, comes around. Yeah. And when I saw this episode, I was like, especially when she comes up to him, she's like, hey, Jeremy asked me out and I said that I would wait to see what you're doing. I was like, oh, she's, like, legit It's giving... Corey the chance you know I think no she has a huge and she really likes Corey and I think it's because she considers him to be so nice and I think that's why whenever she senses that he's being fake like with those girls in the band and everything like she senses it and she can tell he's not being genuine she always calls him out on it and I think that's something that he appreciates as well about her that he she will call him out on bullshit no absolutely I mean like she she's she's there for him again at the end of the episode once every even at the beginning when they're on stage and they're performing badly she's up front just like oh you know I haven't left yet it's very easy to leave <laughs> yeah and then when everyone else is leaving she's kind of like one of when the she stayed people. I was like oh yeah she this is they're they're really pushing this at this point because exactly. she's yeah the whole speech at the end just everything it was just it was very adorable but it's just like oh okay so they're all systems are go on Corey and Topanga being together at this point. Exactly. At this point in time, they're definitely pushing for it. But it's also, as you said, 
he just doesn't deserve her at this point. No, you know, like she is doing all the right things. She stayed even after you lied to everyone, performed terribly, and sang the name game <laughs> <laughs> on stage in oh, front of the man. whole school. And then the name game. <laughs> yeah, there were so many bonus. dumb, like, like dumb jokes in this episode uh, and like i think a lot of the humor that we're gonna see is just and when i say dumb not that the jokes are dumb but it's about the boys being dumb like oh, there's yeah. one sequence where they're like we have to come up with a plan you know that's that's so crazy it just may work <laughs> what may work the plan i didn't tell you what it was that way they can't get it out of me <laughs> get what out of you Nice try. <laughs> it's so dumb, but that's the, the humor that we're getting, and I laugh every single time. Here's the thing. I will say, the this level of Sean's stupidity, it's kind of like what we get later on with Eric. You know, like, if, if you were to replace older Eric with that same scene, it would make so much sense. That's the thing, is that the writer's room clearly has that humor tapped in. And yeah. what they do is, as Sean becomes more brooding, Eric becomes more goofy. Yeah. And that's that where that twist happens. Because that is, it is ridiculously how stupid he is in this scene. But I loved it just as much. Oh, man. Hey, did you notice that, um, I think, is this the seventh grade dance that Feeney was trying to cancel during their strike? Ooh, continuality. Me likey. Yeah, because I remember. Actually, it's not like, too far away. I mean, it, it could be cancel that yeah we're gonna cancel the seventh grade dance because we we were like oh one class is gonna cancel that for the whole grade um yeah it was yeah, back so in our protest episode i'm glad to see that so yeah a few weeks that. later we get a payoff i like it oh something else i wanted to say about it Corey. a few things one Corey is actually really smooth when he's in the band though oh that's yeah i noticed that too once he thinks he's cool uh-huh. Corey is kind of cool and that's kind of the sucky thing about it is that i can we can all kind of relate to that like once you get that boost in confidence it's easier to stay there but gosh i just i feel like if he just paid attention to the people who give him that affirmation all the time like he would be fine but he doesn't give a shit about the people who give it to him all the time he wants it from strangers going right back to topanga and yeah yeah i mean i i think you're right that's kind of one of Corey's biggest downfalls is he ignores he does the same thing with uh sean but like he ignores sean and topanga's advice when they're always like look dude you're you have like as far as we're concerned we're hanging out with the coolest guy you know what I mean? Yeah, he just doesn't seem to get it. Like, he he thinks that Corey and Topanga, I mean, Sean and Topanga, at least later on, he believes them to be the coolest people. So I, I guess I just don't understand this whole thing of him feeling like he's so uncool when clearly his two best friends are the coolest people he knows. Exactly. So, You're like a summary of your surroundings. So at that point, it just makes sense that Corey is in some level kind of a cool kid. Not only is he hanging out with Sean and Topanga constantly, but I mean, let's be fair. This is a TV show. Of course, we're making leaps here, but he also is given so many chances by the school. You don't get to make this many fuck ups in one school and still, you know, people be willing to give you a chance. There's something about Corey that's redeeming. I, we, I mean, there's going to be other episodes that like in the season where the boys do ridiculous stuff but i'm like how are they still at this school and (laughs) like this obviously wasn't a thing i thought that they would get in trouble for but i also felt like jonathan was kind of reveling in this too okay okay so before we get there i do want to talk about i literally screamed oh god when turner walks around that corner holding that helmet in that (laughs) hall Turned on by Turner. Oh, turned on by Turner moment this episode was him just coming in, those jeans, that hair, that jacket. Every time he makes that entrance, and they always make sure he's holding that helmet when he makes that entrance. Well, Corey even points it out. He's like, You know what, Mr. Turner? Me and you, we're a lot alike. Are we? 
Yeah, because you have this motorcycle helmet, people think you're cool. And I carry around this guitar case and people think I'm cool too. That is definitely one of the things that I thought was interesting. Corey's parallel or understanding of Mr. Turner using the motorcycle as his thing to get girls. You know what I mean? I I mean I'm sure there's some truth to that, but <laughs> I mean no, I would I would completely think so. The hair, the earring, the the motorcycle, this is all part of Turner's I'm cool yet approachable choice. You know, it's like I'm a bad a sensitive bad boy. That's Turner's whole spiel whenever he's out here, even when he's with the kids, it's kind of like this I'm sensitive but I'm a rebel. And he, it's 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 he plays it like a damn fiddle man. Oh, he, he plays knows. it well. Yeah, I would he plays go to that so concert well. anytime. <laughs> <laughs> literally, the concert could just—that's one where it's like the concert could literally just be Turner walking in with that helmet under his arm, and I'd be like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> front row tickets, please." VIP passes, man. <laughs> exactly, backstage, <laughs> preferably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I thought this episode was kind of mediocre, honestly. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think, so the, the, my last, um, little notes that I, I have for this episode are, one, the stakes get higher and, like, they are trying to figure out what to do. Uh, Ben Savage does this thing where he's, like, nervously shaking his leg, and I was like, that's completely uncalled for. He doesn't have to be doing that. And I just love that Ben Savage really gets into his character, uh, you yeah, know I, mean? I wonder. I wonder where these little notes come from. I wonder how much of it is just actors' choices, and how much of it is, you know, a director that they trust that has a good eye. That's just like, hey, Ben, why don't you try doing this? Yeah, I, I, it would be interesting to to get some insights on those kind of choices. Uh, what do you think about the fact that? Uh, I mean, this could even be the Feeny taught me, but like the idea that the boys kind of expect Feeny to come in with this lesson about being your true self and not lying and yada, yada, yada. And they're like, we wouldn't even listen. They're kind of already tired of it. And instead, Feeney just walks up to them and laughs. Yeah. No, I mean, that's... I I feel like, you know, they get a lot of... uh, In addition to all the second chances that they get, they, they get their hands held a lot by the teachers by by jonathan and feeney um through a lot of circumstances and i feel like it's far more realistic for teachers to be like no this time you were just dumb and you need to learn your lesson (laughs) exactly which both turner and feeney kind of do like again turn first of all i like how they try to back out of it by like being divas like Corey's just like oh we ordered hand-sliced turkey, and this is clearly processed. And Turner's like, oh, don't worry, I got you. And then announces <laughs> I got you, anyway. fam. Hey, by the way, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the exits. <laughs> so there's that. And then um, later on, when he's like, uh, Mr. Turner, we weren't really that bad, were we? And Mr. Turner's like, look, if you don't need to come into school on Monday, I get it. <laughs> if you need time, I got you. <laughs> I, I just, I mean... I just don't know how anyone thought this was going to turn out. Like, I really feel like Feeney, I don't know. Did he just not care when he put them up? Because he had to know. He's like, I live next door to Corey. I've never heard him practice anything. What? That's actually really true. It's For me, it was one of those things where I literally have in my notes, pull up, pull up. Because it's like, it's watching a car crash or a plane crash. And it's like, why aren't you doing anything? Like, do you I think, think for him, he's just like, dude, it, if I put these these kids on, like, at least I don't have to worry about hearing crap from the rest of the student body. I think that's just his mindset. Yeah, which, he just by the doesn't way, doesn't care. What do you think of, like, even the idea that Feeney would hire a band called Demon Seeds? <laughs> oh, I thought that was unrealistic to begin with. <laughs> exactly. But also, go- who are Demon Seeds? We never... <laughs> We never hear anything of Demon I Seeds. I feel like there's a joke there somewhere because I wrote note like Demon Seeds move out or Demon Seeds pull out or something like that, I think is what they say. Yeah. But again, going back to the boys, I thought it was really funny just the idea of them continuing to go along with this non-plan, even though it's like, like why wouldn't you just cancel? 
It, well, I will say that Corey did think he had a backup when he was going to have the musicians actually play. I just think for him, be, he just doesn't ask those <laughs> questions of just being like, hey, so what's... But you know what? I also think it's super unrealistic for those guys to not know what this gig was going to pay before they showed up. I mean, the the whole episode is kind of really unrealistic. It literally, it jumps and leaps. The story itself just constantly, whenever you check back in with the band story, it goes from, oh, yeah, we play instruments to, oh, yeah, we have other members to, oh, yeah, we're really good at what we play. Uh, and before you know it, they're headlining. So, yeah, there are lots of leaps. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't really have, <laughs> but, yeah, but, this episode was blah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up then. Uh, any any lessons? Any Feeny That's the me? thing. I just really don't have a whole lot to say about this episode. Like, I just kind of, like, don't lie is the, <laughs> the Feeny lesson. Like, I don't know. Like, get it in writing? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what, what they were trying to do. Although Corey did they were trying sign to a contract, out. which was stupid. Again, I was like, for me, there's like so many moments where you could have pulled out. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. All right. So, uh, do you have a bra moment at all? I guess, yeah. The only bra moment I was trying to scrape out of the bottom of the barrel of this episode um, was, I guess, Alan's fear of mediocrity and how, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who maybe had high expectations for themselves, like there, there is this fear of just like, oh, well, I just I don't want to be another boring adult. And as I'm getting older, I'm seeing a lot of that a lot more of like people not wanting to be considered boring adults. And um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I I my bro moment comes from Alan, too, surprisingly. Um, but I think it's kind of something that speaks to us more now that we're getting older uh the whole thing with alan being like no we were like social change and uh you know down with the system fighting the establishment vietnam war it was just like i i it's one of those arguments of like rebellion is of the youth you know what i mean it's just like a, yeah. that energy and thing it's just like a, oh yeah am i losing that because i feel like <laughs> i'm not but you do just like, I, uh, even earlier when I was talking about being at the the concert, I kind of remember, like, just the tension and excitement and energy and frustration that I saw in that mosh pit. And I was just like, yeah, yeah I don't want anything to do with that. Like, my, my arm hurts, and I have to yeah. get up in the morning, you know? <laughs> Guys, this is – I'm not trying to ruin my outfit. Guys, yeah, I'm not trying yeah, to go, exactly. go to work with bruises. I can't explain this to my boss. I have a meeting. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of like why I was like, yeah, you know, I just that moment really was like, oh, wow. Yeah. When you were younger, you do those things and you just it's not that you stop caring. You're just like, oh, yeah, I have things to do. Yeah. Overall, I, I mean, I think I just considered both Corey and Sean and Alan to just be pretentious in their own individual ways throughout this entire episode. Um and a lot of fra for uh, I guess damaged male ego. Yeah, fragile man masculinity. Yeah, yeah, fragile masculinity. A lot of that happening here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think there's definitely something to be said about all of this, especially the way that Amy and Topanga kind of dote on Alan and Corey. Pass. Hard pass. Okay, so speaking of pass or fail, uh, what grade are you giving this? Um, I'm giving it. A... I guess I'll give it a C plus. I mean, the only reason it's getting a plus is because the humor was really on point in the episode. It's just the story I just didn't really find remarkable at all. Um, Corey and Topanga have way better episodes. Corey and Sean have better episodes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of any kind of Alan-centric storyline for the most part. Um, yeah. yeah no, it's really funny that you say that because I'm... Like, as we go further and further in this, I have been grading harsher than you. Because uh, I'm giving this a C minus. Oh, I mean, dope. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, no, I'm I, saying, like, I agree. Usually, this episode was subpar. Usually I'm like the one who's like, oh, yeah, I'll give it like a little bit more flexibility because of I know what they were going for, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this episode, I was like, even the humor, like it was good, but it just wasn't like memorable. 
Not like in the way that Boy Meets World can be. Yeah, that, that's the thing about this episode. It wasn't bad, but like, I never need to see this episode again. I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think my highlight of the episode was Mr. Turner turning that corner, so. Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, uh, you know, a Best Picture Academy Award, you know. Those movies. Like, yeah. good, but you don't typically need to see them ever again. Yeah, sadly. that And that's not how that's supposed to go at all. <laughs> okay, so uh, homework. Do you have any homework? Yes. I just saw the movie Eighth Grade, and I'd like to talk to you about it. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I, I've heard about it. Yeah, so one of the things that was interesting is just watching Boy Meets World after watching Eighth Grade, because Eighth Grade takes such a hyper-realistic look at middle school. And I've never seen any kind of art form take middle school as seriously, I felt. Um, It just, it felt like, I don't know, like, I know a lot of people are comparing it to, like, a John Hughes movie for middle school, but I think it also has kind of, like, this kind of, I don't know, this, this other element to it that I can't quite describe that's a slightly abstract and there's moments where, um, you know, she's just going to a pool party and they, the, the fear and anxiety and the nervousness of that, um, they're able to, uh, like, you feel it while you're watching it and you're cringing throughout the entire movie and you're having these awful flashbacks and memories of what it was like growing up. And it's just such a different take of middle school than Boy Meets World, which I feel is so idealistic of just like Topanga is what you would like a, you know, eighth grader to be. And, you know, this movie is about what an eighth grader actually is. And it, it was very, very well done. It was written and directed by Bo Burnham, who I'm just such a huge fan of. And I love this notion that people are saying that this movie could win an Oscar because if a kid who made YouTube videos can win an Oscar, that for millennials as like that's the our our cap turn like we we just graduated well, because that's that to me is just such a huge deal. Oh, uh, I like that you said uh, it's kind of like a graduation because I feel a lot of our um, YouTube artists or Vine artists or things like that they're becoming more dominant in our industry. Like we just had, uh, I mean, Issa Rae. Well, uh, yeah. was previously a YouTube star. I heard one of the other YouTube stars, Kid Fury, is looking into getting a show. Um, like, yeah, even a lot. Like, of- even like Chance being able to win a Grammy, you know, yeah. like, like, like it's just we are showing like our the the other generations who weren't quite there yet that we don't need the traditional machines behind us in order to find uh, an audience, in order to create content. We can we can do it ourselves for the most part, and I know that um, obviously Bo Burnham had you know hits with Netflix, and you know he had a few other movie roles, so he wasn't completely oblivious. But he just really he built it all from a YouTube point of view. So I just yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I really like that, and thanks. I, I'll definitely check it out. Um, make sure our listeners check it out. Um, so my homework, uh, kind of to go back into this whole music theme we've had, or, or even art with your last movie, um, I have two podcasts that are about music that I really, really think you would enjoy. Uh, one is called Deja Vu, and what they do is um, it's sponsored by Spotify, and the episode, each episode, they compare a modern artist with a legendary artist. So Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. They have very interesting ones like um what are, they had like one where it's like is Rihanna the new Madonna? Um they had another one where which I really thought you would like the discussion on, which is is Beyonce the new Michael? Um Oh well, I have so many thoughts, but I guess I should wait exactly. Yeah, listen, listen to the listen to the podcast, and then give me your thoughts because I really think that you will like where it goes. I really think you will. Um, but yeah, and they they have arguments for and against. They show their very similarities. A lot of the times, they look at someone and they're like, "It's not just whether or not that person uh, has like the same sound as." Whoever. Yeah, it's more just like how their career trajectories are. Yeah, their up. career trajectories, their discography, uh, and sometimes even their lives. You know, it's just like a 
well, or how did this person learn from the previous, you know, who they're being called? Sure. Sure. So I really think you will like that. Uh, check it out. Deja Vu on Spotify. And then another uh, podcast, uh, it's called Switched on Pop. And what they do, uh, which I also think you'd enjoy, is they analyze uh, and kind of do music theory on different pop songs. Because uh, I, I actually know one of the hosts, and he was saying that um, a lot of people just disregard pop music and you know as not real art. But when they go through each songs and they break them down, you're you understand like classical references that they're doing, wow. um, and, and and modern song and and why we're attracted to it. So I really really think it's worth a listen. Oh, awesome! That's definitely worth checking out. All right. So yeah, those are our homework assignments. Uh, do you have anything else? Um, no. If you guys haven't seen this episode and you just listened to this podcast, don't worry. You don't need to see it. Yeah, all right. So on that, let's close it out. Uh, thank you for listening to Broad Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Send us an email. Do all the things that you need to do. Uh, and if you're going to do it, just it's at Broad Meets World. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, TC. You can find me at the Braver Me on Instagram. You guys, I know you guys have been clamoring for me to update Anna Kendrick retweets on my Twitter. So don't <laughs> worry. The Twitter has been updated at Anna Kendrick RT, where you can get all of Anna Kendrick's tweets retweeted by yours truly. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it, right? We're just wrapping up. So. Oh, I, I just want to formally announce that. The Muppets will be reuniting in 2020. So keep your right, ears so now you to the ground keep on, on that, that promise. And when someone comes up, have you even speak to them anymore? Are they even alive? <laughs> you know what? Don't worry. I'm going to find out. Okay. So uh, while he's doing that, I want you guys to remember to dream, try, and do good. Do good. All right. Later, bros. Later, bruh.